You're listening to The Sound of Pursuit, coming to you live from the PI Education World Headquarters right here in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm Hal Humphreys. And I'm John Nardizzi from Boston, where I run an investigations firm that covers New England and write crime fiction. And if you haven't had a chance to check out John's crime fiction, go on Amazon. Google John Dar- John Nardizzi. Find it. Buy it. Read it. I can tell you without hesitation, it's really fun work. Appreciate it, Hal. I know this is not everywhere. a sales this is not a sales pitch for your writing, but it's so good we've got to share it. Appreciate that. Let's get civil. Let's talk today about civil lawsuits and private investigators. You know, I know a lot of times we talk about uh, you and I both are involved in criminal defense work, and we talk about that. We're passionate about that. But there's a whole world out there of investigations that have nothing to do with criminal courts. Um, what are some examples of civil lawsuits? Yeah, civil lawsuits uh, oftentimes pay the bills. Um, there's a great line from uh, uh, the film The Civil Action, which, which is from actually this area, Massachusetts, where the quote, it's the uh, uh, plaintiff's attorney, Jan Schlichtman, I believe his name was, says, lawsuits are war. <laughs> and I think that that's a great intro because there's a lot of money at stake. And some of the cases that we handle and other investigators would handle include like toxic torts, uh, chemical dumping, sexual harassment cases often are very, very big cases involving a lot of moving parts, witnesses in different states, background research, uh, wrongful death cases, and uh, civil rights cases as well on uh, wrongful convictions. So those are some of the, some of the big ones where, where we get involved and other investigators get involved uh, in the civil area. You know, civil lawsuit almost seems like an oxymoron. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Nothing civil about it, right? (laughs) Nothing civil about it. Um, But, you know, good civil attorneys that are out there practicing, doing, and civil lawsuits literally are anything that fall outside of the criminal courts, Um, you know, any civil court. So family law, um, med malpractice. Um, child custody cases, all of those things fall under the civil uh, heading, which, and and again, it's like anything else in the private investigations world. It's a huge, broad um, area of practice. And there are some real niche markets drilled down in there. I know we were talking earlier, I've done a good bit of med malpractice work over the years. And I know you've done some med malpractice work. Talk to me about that. What does that work look like? Yeah, the medical malpractice area is a fascinating area, and a lot of times people seem to think that it only involves surveillance, which is not the case. Um, that there's obviously an injury aspect to any medical malpractice case where you may do surveillance, but the average judgment—I haven't seen the actual number in the last few years—but it's huge in terms of if you go to trial in a malpractice case, you're talking million-dollar judgments. So law firms—they fight these cases hard. Uh, you know, again, nothing civil about these. These, This is war. Uh, both sides feel very strongly about it. So um, we just had a situation involving some witnesses who had uh, a very questionable background, extensive involvement in the civil courts with multiple, you know, 18, 19 cases throughout different jurisdictions. So right away they were, they, you know, our, our law firm clients were excited 
when we found all this stuff, we said, look, we got judges going on record questioning this guy in California. We got judges over here questioning his viability in this particular state. So that kind of stuff is gold. Um, I do a lot of defense work just because on the malpractice side, that's that's kind of the group of attorneys that I met through a, uh, a basketball player that died uh, years ago. And I was drawn into the case on that that side of it. You know, you? I know, I know we've, we've got a couple of friends that do, um, plaintiff's work as investigators. Um, yeah. and you know, if you, if you can get that work, I think it is exceptionally good work. Um, because what it means is you're working with an attorney that gets it because they're spending money out of their pocket up front to yeah. make a good case. Right. Um, and and it's, and I know we've talked about this too, is it's, it's interesting how the plaintiff's work varies from state to state. Do you find that, uh, in Nashville, there is a large plaintiff's bar that works with investigators? There's a large plaintiff's bar. Um, I have been approached a couple of times, uh, by plaintiff's attorneys, but never hired. Yeah. Um, I, I know some of them use investigators, um, you know, I had one tell me one time I only use retired police officers for my investigations. Um, <laughs> we've, we've had that conversation before. Yeah. Um, but you know, the work is the work. Um, one of the things, you know, one of the things that I noticed in, in kind of researching this topic, and I've done this on a number of occasions for defense attorneys, um, you've got a witness in a civil case they have some information, they have a piece of fact, they, they, they saw something, whatever, and they could be really helpful. But since it's a civil case, they don't want to get involved. You know, yeah. oh, I, I don't want to get on the stand and say that. Well, I've seen private investigators do really good work by approaching those people and asking them a series of questions and putting together a report. Um, and then if they, if the witness says, oh, I don't want to get involved, whatever, it opens up the possibility of giving them a subpoena and inviting them to court that way. Yeah. In, inviting is, is the right word. And, uh, I, I find that um, you're right about that in civil cases. I sometimes feel like on a criminal case, people seem to understand what's at stake at somebody's life. And oftentimes they feel obligated for some reason on civil cases, people sort of dismiss it as if it's not important. Meanwhile, you have somebody who's gravely injured. And even though there's no crime, there's no intentional crime that was committed, you know, you still have this person who is either, if you're doing the plaintiff's work, obviously they're injured. If you're doing the defense side, they're looking at this case saying, I didn't do anything wrong and my entire career is about to go down the tubes. So there's, an, there's a lot at stake and you have to really work with witnesses and explain to them, look, this is a process we can make it easy now and talk about things. We're just going to get a report from you. Might end there, might not. You know, as you said, we might have to, to subpoena you down the road. I think just communicating that with witnesses, I think, is one of the most important things. You can, you can, you know, the rules. You can explain the game. How's what's out there? What's going to happen? What's the time frame? I think that's that's key to getting cooperation. Yeah, and and you know, the I'm thinking specifically of a. a I was talking to a client couple of weeks ago, actually. Um, it's a, it's an acrimonious divorce case. Um, she's mad at him and they're on social media mouthing off at each other. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on that probably shouldn't be going on. Um, but <laughs> yeah. in the process of, of working through his situation, he had 
done some self-investigation, which I always recommend my clients don't do too much of that. Um, but he'd done some self-investigation and he'd talked to a couple of folks who said, oh my gosh, she's doing this, she's doing that. And I saw her do this. And like, they've got really good information that would help his case. But when he says, hey, I need you to talk to my attorney and test, I'm like, I'm not, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's where a good investigator comes in because the, I, I mean, you've probably seen this too, where some law firms will actually send out attorneys to do the investigation. And then usually about a week after I get a phone call and they say, hey, we sent an associate to the house of the key witness and it didn't go so well. Do you, <laughs> do you, you, you guys want to jump in on this and do it the right way now? So uh, do you do you sometimes see that too with, with law firms that are trying to save a little money and uh, do it themselves? I, every And I, I've got some amazing attorneys that I work with. Um, every time one of them insists on going on an interview or something like that, it changes the flavor of the interview. It changes the process. Yeah. And it, it just seems to gum up the works. Um, yeah. Now, that said, some, some attorneys are just amazing at that. Um, but generally speaking, attorneys are there to know the law. Yeah. And to you, see how the law applies to facts. Right. And I don't, I don't know if you've picked this up, but I oftentimes I feel like it's the attorneys who have kind of a quieter demeanor who are actually better at doing investigations because they don't feel that need to insert themselves like in a almost that stereotypical aggressive cross-examination, which just is you absolutely cannot do that when you're standing in somebody's house. Yeah. And I've had to physically back attorneys away. Some attorneys have accompanied me at one time. I remember literally, literally sticking my forearm in between the stomach of the witness and the attorney and saying, Hey, just, you know, let's settle down and just go back to talking like yeah. we did the first interview when you weren't here. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's, and it, you know, again, some attorneys are great at it. Some are not. Um, and I think like you said, the, the, the attorney that has um, that kind of swagger bolster, you know, like, yeah, know. yeah, they know the law really well. They know how to make arguments really well. Sometimes they don't know how to deal with individuals really well. Um, I, you yeah. know, all that said, I've, I'm thinking specifically of a couple of attorneys in Texas that I work with that are like, they're great with witnesses. They're fantastic yeah. with them. Yeah. And I'm thinking of one of the best uh, attorneys that I worked with who's, who's now a judge. He had the quietest demeanor, very calming. He was great. The two of us were, were right in sync whenever we did interviews. Um, sometimes he would come along, not, not on, if I had 10 interviews, he might do one, you know, the key witness, but he, he had the right approach. And I think, uh, and I think the part of that is we can teach attorneys and a lot of times attorneys will, they pick it up. They tell afterwards, they'll tell me and they say, you know what? I don't really think I should be here with you. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, I, re I realize that I'm jumping the gun. My pace is it, too quick. It occurs so, to me that, you know, the processes we're talking about are kind of centered around witnesses and interviews. Um, there are other types of work that private investigators can do in civil cases. You know, you and I were talking about med malpractice before. A lot of the surveillance work I did back in the day was on med malpractice cases. Um, oh, and really? if, you're, okay. if you're a surveillance operative, there's a really good chance most of your work is civil work. Yeah. And, and not only the, the surveillance work that you mentioned, but just the extensive background research that's done on every single witness. And in the, on the civil side, 
usually they have the resources to do that. Uh, you, you look in a large pool of people on some of these cases, sexual harassment cases where I'm thinking of one that occurred at a bar and these people were all, it was a summer vacation type situation at a resort. Everybody was there from a different place. And we had to, we had to interview five or six people in about four or five different states um, and do the background research, which in, which meant if you lived in Vermont, we're doing background checks there. And um, do you, do you find that you're doing a lot of background research on, on the civil side, both social media and in courts? Every time, every yeah. time. Um, you know, because they're looking for discrediting information. They're looking for information that, that, that bolsters a case. Um, and a lot of that is readily available in Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and those kind of things. Um, and yeah. also just a deep dive background investigations on witnesses and people involved in the case. Um, you know, here's the thing. Civil cases can be incredibly fun. And, and like you said, they can be the bread and butter work um, that allow you to do some other cases that you really, really love doing. Um, I, yeah. I, I like working yep. on civil cases. I don't do it as often anymore because I've kind of focused on criminal defense. Um, but there, there are so many things you can do as a civil um, private investigator. You know, we, yeah. we talked about... Um, personal injury, workers' compensation, business disputes, missing persons, domestic cases, child custody cases, all of these fall under the realm of civil suits. And there's a lot of work to be done in a bunch of different areas. Yeah. Talking, to, talking about interviews, John, you know, you and I both do a good bit of criminal investigations. Um, how are things different on the civil side for an investigator? The big difference that I see on civil cases, especially ones that are based here in Massachusetts, are the level of written documentation. Partly that's due to something called reciprocal discovery, which versions of that exist in different states. It just means on a criminal case, everything that you write is going to potentially be turned over, it's supposed to be turned over to the other side. As a result, a lot of times attorneys will tell you, hey, we don't, we're not going to use these seven witnesses we don't want anything in writing we want a written report are we going to meet and talk about these people the civil side is different oftentimes you have three or four sometimes five law firms you know people representing different co-defendants so everybody wants a written report and it's not discoverable in the same way you know this is this would uh, your investigative report is kind of considered classic work product uh discussions with the client will be attorney a client work product, but the report itself is distinct from that. So if you talk to a witness, they the other side just can't ask for that report. Uh, do you are you seeing that a lot too? That you sort of have to document everything and prepare it for different lawyers at different firms, and and they all expect that and want that. Absolutely. And th the thing that I find interesting about the civil side is I've got several of my attorneys that work on the civil side will say, "Do not memorialize anything until we talk." They yeah. want to know what's going to be written down because in Tennessee and I think in Texas as well, um, even though it's considered work product, um, it is more discoverable than it would be in a criminal case. Um, so mm. I'm constantly like my attorneys in Tennessee, when I'm working on civil cases, say, do not, do not, do not record your interviews. Yeah. Make yeah. your notes after the fact, put together a, a really detailed notes on, um, 
the conversation you had, but don't record it because they don't want that stuff memorialized necessarily. Yeah, and that, that the the point of recording uh, with permission, obviously, of the witness, um, that that's always a big issue because no no attorney wants you to document something that's going to hurt them. Right. <laughs> so. Right. Most of the time, they'd rather have, even if your report has sort of damaging information, it's certainly better than having a recording that you spent, you know, 50 hours, you know, traveling to Alaska to interview this one guy that's going to sink your case. Yeah. But yeah. Um, related to that, do you, do you run into the problem of attorneys sort of texting you at all hours with little snippets of barely legible you know, we need to do this, or you sh you should be doing this, and and I, it's always a challenge to document that kind of thing. We over have the weekend, attorneys oh, doing that. Over the weekend, I've I've got a, a dear friend. We've been friends for a long time. He's an attorney that I work with, and he's get he was getting ready for a trial that starts tomorrow. Um, and Saturday afternoon, I get a text. Sunday at I think at about two o'clock in the morning, I get a text. I know he's up worried about it, pouring over information, just like texting back and forth. I yeah. literally, I, I will screenshot that text yeah. and then send it to my digital work file. So I've got a, a record of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do something similar where I, I, I'll either do that and I keep something called a, just a witness task memo, which is only for us, it's for the internal team, about three of us here. Uh, and it's just a list, a running list. There's nothing too sophisticated about it, but it's just the date. So and so email. They want this done, and they want they want background research in Hawaii. So when they get the bill from my researcher in Hawaii, they're gonna pay it because I got, I got the proof here that somebody asked for it, and we did it. But um, I, 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 you know, that was one of the things that I learned early on, and I, I credit my, you know, my colleagues and uh, my the first firm I worked for, for really drilling that in, that nobody's really ever going to ask for that. Nobody's going to want to see your witness task memo. But we we think differently than uh, attorneys. You know, they're thinking, as you said, how do you take these facts and apply them to this case? We're thinking we got 57 things to do. They're in different states. They involve different people. Somebody's got to parcel this out and do it. So it's it's really important, I think, to have some sort of document that tracks that for you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I had a, I saw one last week, a meme, you know, we love our memes over here. Ken yeah. is always sending <laughs> yes, me we snippets of memes. Um, yeah. And this one was, what do you call it when two men get together and mansplain? I'm ready. You call it a podcast. Hey, there you go. <laughs> it is, um, it is, it is, it is bumping right up against the halfway point. I do want to take a moment to say, uh, thank you for listening to the sound of pursuit. Uh, John and I have been enjoying this process for the past couple of weeks and we can, we're going to continue to do it going forward. Um, we're going to talk about things related to the investigative world. Um, if you need continuing education, um, to maintain your license, Come join us at PIeducation.com. We've got a lot of good courses on there. We'd love to see you in a class. Um, I'm going to be teaching. I call the course, Can I Get a Witness? Um, Ooh, great name. It's it's a like live um, six-hour course on interviewing witnesses and the entire process. And, and I tell my students in class all the time, I'm like, look, everything that I say in this class is a absolute best-case scenario 
there's almost no chance you're going to be able to do all these things, but all of these things are things you can use part of your toolbox uh, in the process. Yeah. So if you need education, please join us over at PIeducation.com. We would love to have you. Um, John Nardizi up there in the Boston area. I'm Hal Humphreys down here in the Nashville area. Um, and we'll be with you every week to talk about investigative things. John, um, moving on, you know, I was doing a little bit of research um, on this topic before we got started, and it occurred to me, you know, I talk about Pursuit Magazine as a resource all the time, so I just hopped over to Pursuit Magazine and did a simple search on the magazine for civil, and literally we had several stories that came up. Um, again, I remember just, these. These are these are great articles. Just different things to think about. If you're a private investigator, if you want to be a private investigator, go to pursuitmag.com, check it out. It's a free resource available to anybody out there. Um, we've got a lot of articles. Here's one by uh, Dean and Karen Beers on uh, interpleader insurance investigations. We've got one on asbestos investigations. I worked on one of those several years ago for a Volkswagen Group of America. Amazing, yeah. fun, deep dive research work that took me yes. to... It took me to the church of the latter-day saints to go through their database it took mm -hmm. me to the library to go through old city directories um it was yeah. a fantastically fun case so you know asbestos cases again civil cases you're looking for just judgments and stuff like that if you're interested in learning more about different aspects of the civil side of things tyler maroney um has a book out called The Modern Detective. We were lucky enough to spend a little bit of time with Tyler on the phone um, in a setting just like this and talk about his book. You can check that out on um, P Pursuit Magazine. And then last, I know I get in trouble for this, but, you uh, know. Here he is. John thinks I have a crush on Brian Willingham, and truth be I'm told. I'm convinced. I, I kind of do. I mean, Brian's a good friend, and Here's the thing about Brian. He shares information freely on his website. This is um, an article on his blog on how to use a private investigator in civil lawsuits. Um, he's got five scenarios, really good stuff there. Check it out if you get a chance. And that's at diligentiagroup.com. Um, and now the love fest with Brian Willingham has stopped. Let's get back into the conversation <laughs> about civil suits. One of the things that I think is really interesting, and, and I've done a little bit of this work, Class action lawsuits. Yeah. Trying to track down potential members of a class. Have you ever done any of that work? I have. Yeah. I have a couple of law firms in that area. Uh, one, of the, one of the interesting things that can be done with class action firms is the volume of locate work is considerable. So you have to come up with alternatives. So sometimes they'll contact us and say, we got 10 witnesses or 10 clients or, or 100, 200 even, which is a range. And we just do that, the, you know, the normal rate. Other times they'll say, we need to get, we need to get a text message out to 10,000 class members in New York. So in that case, uh, you're starting to look at how do you do that? How do you, how do you locate 10,000 people at a, re at a reasonable budget? And I think that's when you go to your database firms and uh, talk about, processing that number of uh names and obviously the hit lists is going to be or the hit ratio will be lower 
we find that it's going to be considerably lower than us actually, you know, checking everything and looking at real estate records and deeds and assessor and making phone calls and really narrowing down this witness is at that address. But sometimes uh, class action firms are totally comfortable with a hit rate of just getting out a text message or an email or a letter to, you know, 50 to 70% of a list. And that's fine. So yeah. that work that work is out there as well. And there's also, you know, you see attorneys advertising, have you or a family member been impacted by the water at Camp Lejeune? You know, th that's one yeah. way to find class members. But you know what? I've worked with private investigators that have, um, they maintain memberships on job posting boards. Um, mm -hmm. And they routinely go through resumes to see, you know, where someone may have worked in the past. Um, and a lot of times that's a good way to find class members. Um very, LinkedIn very is another yeah. fantastic resource for, for that kind of research because everybody puts their resume on LinkedIn. Yep. And Indeed as well. And I even remember the day when Monster was the the monster. And that was, <laughs> that was you know, the, the original source for that kind of information. Everybody needed a contact at Monster to sort of screen for resumes. Whatever happened to Monster.com? I know they're still there, but you don't hear about it as much. I have no idea. See that? Times change. Well, I think we've covered a good broad spectrum of things that one might do in the civil world. Anything that comes to mind that we need to talk about before we call it a day here, John? Hal, I think we covered the the main themes that, that are out there, and I think that uh, everybody should be looking toward whatever your, your, pra your practice, your investigative practice is, start bringing in some of these civil cases. And um, if, if you have a particular, the only thing I would add is if you have a particular area where you're an expert and you know, say you're a musician and you, uh, you understand that industry, sometimes focusing on contacts in that industry, you can be known as the, the guy for that industry. So I know somebody who has a great practice where they do work in the music business. They look for uh, musicians who are missing or, or that, you know, getting royalties to old bands and finding those people, that kind of thing. So um, look in your own past, you know, what's your, what's your niche, what's your area of expertise and, yeah. and try to develop out your clientele. Yeah. And the last thing I want to talk about is getting paid in civil cases. Um, like I said, my luck getting um, plaintiff's work has not been as good as getting defense work. And I think it's a very clear thing to me why that is. Um, plaintiff's lawyers are coming out of pocket up front on a case to get research done. Um, and that's a hard thing to ask someone to do. Defense lawyers working in civil areas, a lot of times they are dealing with an errors and omissions in po insurance policy. Um, yeah. and that ENO policy will pay them, um, will pay for expert services such as private investigators. Um, so if you're doing surveillance work or witness locates or class action locate stuff like that know that the money is there. Um, it is, it is a lucrative part of this business. Um, and if you're not doing it, I would strongly recommend you check it out. Yep. And I, and just to add on the defense side, as you pointed out, the fact that there's a big insurer behind almost all these cases somewhere behind the scenes, they will not, uh, retain you. They will not pay you in advance. So you sort of in line with the law firm, you you have to sort of stay on the law firm to send your bill and the, to the insurer and they pay you directly oftentimes it is different and with any kind of plaintiff's work i get the money up front because just like we talked about a few weeks ago 
Defense attorneys get their money. They should be talking to their clients about getting you funds as well. Same scenario applies on the civil side. Yeah. Do not ex- do not be left uh, with the bag in hand. <laughs> you should be retained by that plaintiff's firm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, John, man, thanks so much for taking the time this afternoon. Um, for everyone out there listening, you've been listening to The Sound of Pursuit. I'm Hal Humphreys. I'm John Nardizzi. Great to see you again, Hal, and we'll get together again next week. Yes, we will. Um, and now a quick word from our sponsors. The Sound of Pursuit is brought to you by OREP for all of your insurance needs and Investigator Marketing.